Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you've given us. This is a special day, Lord, because we come here to remember your coming to earth in such a special way. So as we look into that time and place, Lord, help us to remember you and to keep you in our hearts and to allow you to be birthed in our hearts and to grow day by day. Use me today, Lord. Thank you for your anointing that breaks every yoke. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I feel like the Lord's been saying to me, tell them why. Tell them why I came. Tell Tell them why I had to come. I think a lot of times Christians want to ask a lot of whys. And they they get afraid to, you know. Like it's going to make them look like they're not very spiritual or somebody might look down on them, you know. I think it's, it's okay. There's good whys and bad whys. You know. Mary said... How's this going to be since I'm a virgin? Nothing wrong with that. That was a pretty good why. Not a why, but how. You know. God doesn't mind questions. As a matter of fact, the scripture says, come, let us reason together. He's inviting us to come and just, just talk it out with him. Of course, in the end, we're going to see it his way. <laughs> if, if, we, if, we, if we reason with him long enough. He'll show us the right way, which is his way. But there's a lot of whys in the Bible that need to be explained and looked into. I'm going to start right here. And we're going to read Luke chapter 2. Just because that's where we're at. Starting in the first verse of Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days... That there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. <laughs> and this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every, every one into his own city. These were ungodly men, ungodly rulers of <clears throat> who were dominating uh, Israel at the time, the Roman Empire, and, and God was using all of them and all of their unjust things they were doing, unlawful and unreasonable taxation, and extremes they were putting on these people to go to certain places. God was using it all to line everything up and prophecy was being fulfilled. He was bringing Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem to the place of their birth and their ancestral home of King David, just as the prophecy has said, that's where the Messiah would be born. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days 
were accomplished that she said should be delivered. Sorry, I'm reading out of the King James today. <laughs> and so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Verse 8, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Praise God. All these things... God went to great length for 4,000 years to get all this set up just right. Everything had to be perfect. At one time, he had to wipe out everybody and start over with eight. Sin was so bad. Had he not done that at the time, there wouldn't have been a 14-year-old virgin left <laughs> at the time when it was ready for the Messiah to come. <laughs> but we talked recently about the fall of man and why there was a need for God to come himself. God had created and into this creation entered corruption through sin in the Garden of Eden. And so every man born after that was born of the seed of Adam or his line, and it was all corrupt. God looks at the seed. We were stuck, stuck on four. <laughs> Unable to save ourselves, without hope, and without the ability to overcome anything. So God himself had to come because it was a man who gave up the authority that God had given them, given us as a human race. We gave up our privileges when we aligned ourselves with Satan, when we believed him instead of God. 
I say we because God looks at the seed. That's why I tell you all the time. He looks at you. He either sees Adam or he sees Jesus. Fallen Adam. Or he sees the, the last Adam, Jesus. And so he had to come and do it himself. In the Bible it refers to this as a kinsman redeemer. Under the old law, there was such a thing as a kinsman redeemer. You see it mentioned about seven times in the book of Ruth. Beautiful little story. It's all a picture of salvation. Everything in the Old Testament is. Type and shadow of Christ revealed in the new. So, we had to have someone like us, born of a woman. But it couldn't have that fallen seed. It needed God's seed. The Holy Spirit had to come upon Mary the way he did. And then the child had to be birthed through a woman so that he could be like us. And he was in every way. You know, when he came here, he wasn't... He was born in a feeding trough. That's what a manger is. It's not this nice little crib... It's usually was a, a feeding trough it carved out of stone in the side of a, a cliff. And there was a stable that they used little caves for their animals. And that's where they stayed that night. Can you imagine being told that you were going to give birth to the Messiah, Son of God? Going through all the things we talked about last week. The terrible things they endured and... And then just to get there, and surely she was thinking, well, at least, at least we'll have a nice room. God will surely provide that. No, he didn't. And then when, he, when the angels came, they appeared to shepherds in the field, not to people in palaces. God is really trying to show that he's for everybody. And the way up is down with him. He likes us to humble ourselves. The enemy is always going to take you further than you want to go. Charge you more than you want to pay. Keep you longer than you want to stay. God is trying to help us, protect us from that. But we needed this kinsman redeemer. The, 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 the biblical definition of that is a male relative who, according to various laws of the Pentateuch, the, the first five books of the Bible, had the privilege or responsibility to act for a relative who was in trouble, danger, or need of vindication. And Jesus said, I'll go, Dad. When I used to ride, you know, I had friends of all kinds. <laughs> Both ends of the spectrum. <laughs> Those of you that ride know what I'm talking about. It's a whole world out there. And I loved them all. I got along with everybody. But Jesus, this term born to die made me think of that. Jesus is really the only one that was ever born to die. He came, when he said, I'll go, he knew what it was for. He knew what he was going to have to do. 
And he did it. Amen. Amen. He came to be a living sacrifice. I think that's why probably God, while the angels went and God revealed what was going on to shepherds in the field who were watching over sheep. They were probably out there at this time of the year. They were they were out there tending the sheep that were to be used for sacrifices in the temple, you see. And here angels are and they come, they tell these shepherds who have been been taking care and, and raising and, and providing the, the, the animal sacrifices that were just type and shadow of the one true sacrifice, the one final sacrifice that would finally come. He, he introduces him that way. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14 says for one by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified this one offering Jesus Christ he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified set apart unto God made holy is what that means. That's you. I know everybody loves to say, oh, nobody's perfect. And in your flesh, you are not perfect. And in, even in your soulish realm, which is being perfected, if you're willing, but your spirit is perfect now. You have the mind of Christ. The spirit of God has renewed your spirit, evicted that sin nature, and you are perfected in your spirit. One third of your salvation is complete and untouchable. Amen. Amen. Incorruptible. Because nothing can get in as bad as we try. But we need to come into agreement with that so that our soulish realm, our personalities, will become more and more like Jesus as we agree with Him. Amen. Amen. But He's done it. He's accomplished it. So we needed Him And he came. But the other thing he's excited about is the fact that it made him become relatable to us and relevant to our lives, to our situations and circumstances. He's not just some distant, far-off God. He actually came and set aside all of his rights and privileges and power even. You say, well, he did some amazing things. Yeah, after he was baptized at 30 years old in the Jordan River by his cousin John the Baptist, and he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's where his power came from. He had nothing more than what you have or have the ability to have for free right now. He made it so. That's the only way it would have been legal justification, you see. That's the only way he could upset the devil's apple cart. It was the greatest political and military and spiritual victory ever accomplished. Just by three. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost and their determinate counsel. What a great counsel. We threw it all away and God devised the plan. Jesus provided the payment and the Holy Spirit provided the power and the guidance for us to live it out. Amen. Amen. But now he's become 
like us. And all through the book of Luke, you'll see his humanity. Luke is real big on showing us the humanity where John showed his divinity. Luke was a doctor and he wasn't uh, a Jew. He was and he was a Greek. And so he was more analytical and a medical doctor. And he wanted to show how the humanity of Jesus and he did a great job of it. Read Luke and the book of Acts right after he wrote them both. And but he also talks in great length about the Holy Spirit more than anyone else. Read with me in First John in the back, toward the back. Show you what I mean by this relevance and becoming real to us and relatable to us. I'm trying to try to make the connection here if we can. John talks about this in First John. This is the one of the letters in the back. First, second, third John, not the, not the gospel of John, but he, does, he starts off the gospel in almost the same way. But in first John, in chapter one, I'll just start from the first verse. And he says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. He's talking about Jesus. He said, <laughs> we... We, we were with Him. We touched Him. We saw Him. We've been with Him. He talked to us. He taught us. For the life was manifested. It was, it was, it came about. It came into being. We just talked about how and when and where. And we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. It, was, it blew his mind. And he's trying to show you how much. What an impact it made on him. And he's trying to share that with us. And I, I can imagine just trying to strive for the words to do that. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. And we and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his his son cleanseth us from all sin. Hallelujah. Since we're back there, look over. If you got your Bibles, if not, I'll just read it to you. But Hebrews 4.15. That's where we were just in Hebrews. We'll look there again. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 15. He says, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He's saying we don't have 
some far away, distant God. We're not praying to some statue. <laughs> We're not praying to some distant God that we know nothing about who's out to get us. We know what He's like because He came and showed us. And no matter what you're going through, He was tempted in the same way. He had problems like us. He had to, he had to learn to walk and talk. And they actually changed the Lord's diaper. Hello? And His disciples heard Him burp and other things. You know? I, I always say it was probably much harder for them to believe than for us. Because they were at, you know, familiarity breeds contempt. I tell you that. And as much as I love you guys and, and, and I feel like you love me, you know, the, 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 the enemy will make sure that he, be, that he will show you things about me that you don't like sometimes. To try to, because he's a, he's a divider. He tries to bring strife and division. You see? But He became flesh and dwelt among us. And so we have someone who's been through life like us. I always said, you know, I don't know what it's like to be Barbara or Cheryl or Joey, but I know what it's like to be me. And I know that we all have things, issues, problems, because that's life. I like that old, what was that? The Western that I uh, watch all the time with uh, Tombstone. And, and uh, my favorite guy, man, he's like, he told, uh, man, I forget all the names now. But Val Kilmer played uh, Doc Holliday, right? And he told uh, uh, Kurt Russell, he says, he says that there, there's no there's no perfect life. There's just life. So get on with it. You know. Now we come to know that it's much better with the Lord. <laughs> I can't even compare. It makes me shudder to think that I made it as long as I did. And I look back and he shows me sometimes. And I remember and I, you know, sometimes I ask him just to take things away from my mind. Because they're so horrible for me to remember. And I remember him saving my life, literally. From things I'd gotten myself into. He's just good like that. John chapter 1. And we're not going to be very long today. Because this is simple. But profound. Amen. Amen. I told you the, the Gospel of John started out the same way. I just want to show you from the very first word of the, the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. That's Jesus, capital W. He was with God from the beginning. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. This is who stepped down from His throne. He had never known anything but being there with the Father. And the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. To come from that to this. And the way He did. And 
In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. We talked all about John the Baptist. There was a man from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. His whole life, John the Baptist was just born to say, there he is. Ta-da, here comes Jesus. And that was a big deal. Jesus said, there is no better man ever born but John the Baptist and his whole life. I mean, he's out there running around in the desert preaching to the air, eating locusts and wild honey. Pretty soon, somebody heard him. And they went and told others the anointing was so powerful. He had great crowds out there in the middle of nowhere. God made it so. That was the true light. Which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. That's that's the sad part. They were looking for a. Some were looking for a military savior. To save Israel from Roman occupation. Others were looking for a political leader. Others were just looking for. The benefits, the healing, and the the groceries, and all the other things he provided. Amen? But he was here to do something that they needed more and didn't realize they had such a great need for. To forgive them of their sins. And to provide a way for them back to God. Something they had thrown away. And the, the final thing that he... Which kind of goes together with the others that to be our kinsman redeemer. So we needed someone like us and to be relatable and relevant to our lives and our problems. But the main thing and the final thing that I'll mention is just to know him. He wanted us to know him. And I can't tell you how much he still craves relationship with all of us. We have Jonathan, who we love, living with us right now. He's 30 years old. and You know, you know, a mama, she's, she's only going to see always the best. And, and we pray and we believe for our whole family to be saved, just like all of you do. But our hearts are broken. Or I know mine is, especially as a pastor, every day, you know, because I see the need. Of the people in this world. They come across our paths every day. And it's something that we have now. And we just long for the right words. The right way to share it with them. To, to please, 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 please. Come to know Him. You know, He's working that 3 to 11 shift. And He's about to move back out. And, and, uh, and we just do everything we can to show him love and to support him and you know on Sundays he, he works uh, uh, Tuesday through Saturday 3 to 11 and gets home about midnight so you know Sunday oh, heck man that's how that's off the table that's the day to rest right you know so we hadn't given too much trouble about him invite him you know to church but 
This morning he was up bright and early. I'm like, you going to church with us? No, I'm going to see Star Wars. <laughs> you see? And man, my heart just dropped to the floor. You know, I hope he didn't see it. But I did. I, 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 you know, and I just walked away and I was like, oh, cool, you know, and I'm like, ah, you know, and you go through all the stages of makes you sad, makes you kind of mad. And then I'm just like, you know, and then and then we were in the kitchen. We we're all talking, just visiting there a little bit, you know, and something came up about church and God just presented me with the perfect opportunity. And I said, you know, he loves you, don't you? I said, you know, Jesus, he said something about Christmas and oh, I, he said, you dressed up today. I said, yeah, and I just give him my best, you know, a little, you know, just wanted to do it today. And and uh, he says, yeah, being Christmas and all is special. I said, yeah. I said, you know, he came here for you. He died for you, Jonathan, as much as anyone else ever lived. He loves you. And that's and that was it. But that's. You know, all the things I thought of saying and doing. <laughs> God had a better plan. And, you know, because think how God feels. He sees it all. He wants, you know, He wants them all saved as much or more than we do. So we just keep planting seed. Amen? Amen. Sowing seed. Sowing seed. John, that same book, John seventeen three though, talking about knowing Him. On that faithful night, we're talking about the birth of Jesus, but this is the night of his betrayal in John 17. He's praying. He's talking to the disciples about everything. Can you imagine? He's just got a little bit of time left and he's pouring out his heart and he's having to combat the fear and everything, knowing how he's going to die and all that. But he's, he's got so much to share with them about the Holy Spirit, about His going, about His return, about the Holy Spirit coming and, and why this has to happen and how it's going to happen and so forth and so on. And in John 17, He's praying to the Father, Jesus. And it was peculiar to me when I first saw this. Now it's one of my life scriptures. John 17, 3. But because in the middle of a prayer to God, He gives God a definition as if he needed to understand something from him. And we know that's not the case. So God finally showed me that which they put there for you. And for everyone else. But he's praying. Father the hours come glorify thy son. That thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given me power over all flesh. That he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given me. And he's talking about eternal life. So here in verse 3 is what I'm talking about. And this is, and this is life eternal. Like, like he's going to tell God what he's talking about. He's given us the definition of eternal life. This is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That is the meaning of life. That is eternal life. Eternal life isn't getting to go to heaven and when you get there, you've, you've entered into eternal life. No. Eternal life entered into you when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And now, He just, in some cases, He's just sitting there waiting to be acknowledged. 
Some, some of you talk to Him all day and He loves that. But that's the whole meaning of everything we're here for. And everybody you see that you know has a need, everybody that acts ugly, everybody that's angry, everybody that's sad and depressed, that's a void, that's a need for God. And you have the words of life. You have the answer for them. You've got to be asking God to give you doors and windows of opportunity because if you go try it in the flesh, you're going you're gonna to you're gonna cause more damage and put more division between them and God. Believe it, we can do that. As a preacher, I have to be very careful of that. And I have done it in my life. God's not mad at me, but that's the last thing I want because I want everybody to be free. I want everybody to know Him. And that's exactly why He came. That's exactly the purpose of our entire life. In 1961, and I'll finish with this little story. But in 1961, before I was born, quite, I was born in 65. I remember in 69, watching in my grandmother's back bedroom, I must have been four years old, the... When we went to the moon, you know, on a little black and white 13-inch, you know, with the foil on the... <laughs> I just remember I have a vision of it. But in 61, something that had never happened happened. The Russians sent a cosmonaut, one of their astronauts, Yuri Gagarin, into space. First man in space. And he circumnavigated the, the globe one time. But he was the first man into outer space. And he, as it turns out, is a devout Christian, or was. Something that was very dangerous in the time and place in which he lived in Russia and the US, in Soviet Union. But Nikita Khrushchev was the leader of the Soviet Union at the time. And he had, it was illegal to be a Christian in that in the Soviet Union at the time. They were anti-religion. And as part of his anti-religion propaganda, to he put out the word one time, and he, he put it off on this, this astronaut that said he said something that he never would have said because he was a Christian. But put it short, Khrushchev was someone the people didn't believe. The astronaut was someone that was beloved, and they would believe anything he said. So Khrushchev said, he said it. But he said, he said, why are you clinging to God? Here, Gagarin flew into space and he didn't see God. In other words, he went up there. There was no God there. So get over it. C.S. Lewis, you know who he is or was? Christian writer, author. He he put out a response to Khrushchev's comment. And he said, and I'll paraphrase, but he says, you don't, you don't relate to God as someone who's on the first floor of a building as you would relate to people on the second floor of the building. You don't just go up and visit them and find out who they are and what they are so you can see them and it's not like that. But it's more, it would be more like Hamlet relates to Shakespeare. 
is what he said. Shakespeare wrote Hamlet. Hamlet doesn't know anything about Shakespeare except for what Shakespeare put in, wrote into Hamlet about himself. Amen. You see? We might know something about the writer if we read something he wrote, but only to the extent that he puts the, the stuff in there that, about himself for, for us to know, right? <laughs> so I think that was a better description. Because as Christians, it's even better than that. We believe God did more than just give us information or write a little bit about himself. He looked at the world. He saw us in our pitiful helpless and all of our lostness and he had pity on us and he wrote himself into human history amen as its main character by the way for God so loved the world he gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Eternal life. Jesus. The second person of the Trinity. He came here for us. He wants to be your best friend. Can I read one more scripture to you? I'm done. I promise. Look at Philippians. Philippians 2. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Wherever God also hath, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's the greatest. He's the King of everything. Above us, below us, and amongst us. And every knee will bow to the name of Jesus and confess Him as Lord. But if they wait till they see Him in heaven, it'll be too late. So many people, so many people I love, and so many people I'm sure that you love, they are pursuing knowledge like crazy. Obtaining the knowledge of the world, though. But only the truth of God's Word, only this. This is Jesus. On paper. This will set you free. The knowledge of the world will make you prideful. Paul put it like this. He said, we glory in our shame. Go around boasting of all that we have learned and hanging all of our achievements on the wall for the world to see how great we are. And he says that's all he called it. 
excrement. That's pretty bold for Paul. But Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Otherwise, we're just going to grow in pride. And this time of year, I just pray that everyone will seek to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let Him be birthed in your heart. If He already is, allow Him to grow and to become the King and Lord of your life. Amen? Amen. God bless you all. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for Christmas time and everything that it means, Lord. Your meaning of Christmas, not the world's. Help us to seek you and to put you first in our hearts and in our lives and to try to find unique opportunities given by you, doors and windows of opportunity to speak words of life, to plant seeds of life and in the name of Jesus into others' hearts and minds this Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.